Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew.
Hello and welcome to the Shaman's Brew. In last week's episode, you may have heard my lab assistant, uh, Peter, telling you how I was going to be talking about the Goldfield Hotel. But I was reminded that I have a uh, an article about that subject uh, committed to uh, Gold Prospector magazine. And so until I finish that article and submit it to them, I won't be able to reveal too much information on that. But then I'll be back and, and share that information with my listeners. Until then, I decided to bring back my, my friends Fox and Erwin from Pagan Parents on the Edge. Uh, you heard their show, um, oh, I believe it was a couple weeks back. And this is their most recent show called Maybon Madness. And uh, it's about a festival that they, they went to, and I think you're going to love this show. So uh, I'm going to play a little bit more music here and then start their segment and sit back and enjoy the show.
Welcome to Pagan Parents on the Edge, a perspective of the pagan experience through the eyes of parents. This is, oh my goodness, episode number 60, and I'm your host, Fox. And I'm Erwin. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. We are possibly running a little late. It depends on how much time it will take to edit this and get it out. I know that I posted recently on our Facebook page that I thought that for some bizarre reason that we would have the wherewithal, the energy, and the time to record. And in my ambition, I said two episodes during the <laughs> festival that we recently went to. But wow, days were just packed. Yeah, not enough time. It and told- not enough quiet time. There was Definitely not enough quiet time, and I wouldn't have minded a little bit of background noise, but boy, the kids were full on, and we had part of the family coven there, so we had nine kids and all, and boy, it was just tearing around and laughing, and it really did seem this year that because I had such a vested interest in different aspects of the festival, that the scheduling, trying to coordinate eating and looking after kids and going to workshops going to workshops selena fox was one of the presenters and we just massively major enjoyed several of her workshops and i was also responsible for a children's ritual for the children of the festival which having that little bit of time where I knew that I had to be responsible for something, really, for some reason, screwed up my ability to schedule. Responsible to strangers. <laughs> well, I mean... You had to be responsible for the people in our camp. I mean, right. just to set up the tent and all that stuff, that's a lot of responsibility. But Well, it is, but I always have a very kind of free-flowing attitude while I'm at the festival. But having like this block of time that was pinned down that I had to be somewhere, not just like a workshop, I, mean, I might blow that off or I might actually go but I had to be somewhere at a certain time kind of messed with my ability to organize my schedule around everything else during the weekend for some reason Mm -hmm. but it was an awesome weekend yeah we had a great time we were there with friends and family and what is slowly becoming almost an extended group of friends and family through the mountain mysteries people who throw this festival and wanting to go to the workshops and listening to all the music watching the fire spinning and then wanting to spend time at the fire circle when they did the chimney logs which now that's something really kind of spectacular that I actually got turned on to at this festival was Mm -hmm. these chimney log experiences absolutely loved it but the weekend was definitely full and then the last week of course we get home and there's a million things to wash and (laughs) camping tubs full of equipment that have to be gone through and cleaned up and reorganized and we are going to another festival weekend after this which I can't wait yeah and that fest that festival's name is earth weavers and it's a little more local to our home so there won't be nearly so much driving to get there we're very excited about that too so things are kind of hopping around here at the ppot household no doubt about it but we're managing to get a show in so i'm really glad about that yes indeed managing to get a show and very happy to be doing that of course love coming to the show and getting it in there and trying to squeeze it into our schedule is a challenge sometimes but once we sit down and get going i'm always very enthusiastic and glad to just you know really be rolling into the subject which this episode because of the time of year and the focus of the festival that we just came back from maybe 
is sort of a foremost idea that's in our minds at the moment. The celebration of this particular time of year that is my second favorite time of year and I know it's... It's my first, my favorite season is fall and I just love the the trees, the color and how the trees change and getting to wear sweaters again and I don't feel it yet but feeling the cooler air. As much as I love hot, I like being warm because I have a sweater on too. It was It was nice and cool at the festival and that really kind of did although it is a little warm this evening the cooler air at the festival really kind of started to initiate that sort of fall mindset that I have going on now we were talking on the porch as we were having our porch time getting ideas together and you brought up a very interesting story about how when you were a kid you had this kind of experience that well why don't you why don't you say something about that well I grew up in Indiana and every fall we would go to a festival called the Feast of the Hunter's Moon. And I loved going to this festival. I, I think it might have been a little bit later in the year, maybe in October, but still, I just love the feeling. Going there always just hit home. It, it's the season of fall, and they would do reenactments of the pioneer settlers going down the river, and it was held at a place called Fort Wyatnon. So there were all kinds of vendors and everything at this festival that had handcrafted tools, and different things and they always had some teepees and they had buffalo burgers there which was my favorite food I mean I just loved it I thought it was so cool that I was eating buffalo (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think part of why I loved it so much was because of the Native Americans that were there. In the in one of the teepees, they always had storytelling for the kids. And I was really sad the year I got to be too old to go to the storytelling. I don't know why I was too old, but I remember realizing that I couldn't go anymore or something. But anyway, in thinking about this and then thinking about what's important to me about the fall season and everything, it brought back the feelings that I felt when I went there. And I really kind of connected more with the Native Americans than I did with the Europeans because they would do reenactments and stuff like that and I really think that part of the reason why is because I'm a pagan. I just really felt that the Native Americans were more in tune with natural cycles and more in tune with the spirit of things and that's what I wanted to be in tune with or maybe I already was in tune with it but being brought up as a regular mainstream American I didn't really have any opportunity to express that or to talk about that and I saw that the Native Americans did express and talk about that and it wasn't until I got to be much older to realize that European culture also had a tribal base to it the way that Native American culture is and I don't know just lots of different things that I was thinking about and the feeling of the energy of the earth and how it changes at times when the season changes and I think that's why I really love fall because you can really feel a change there. Fall and autumn were always Boy Scout camping time. Boy Scout camping weather. And I remembered occasionally we would have these church retreats, these youth group retreats into the mountains. Those would always happen in the fall. And it was always, although I didn't recognize it as a youth, this connection with nature at this time of year always had this very poignant, subtle, spiritual underpinning to it that I didn't really recognize until I was much older. And then as I got even older and and matured along my own introspective 
objective analyzation of who I am through my pagan path, I realized that while I didn't really appreciate it in the way that I look at it now as an adult, those experiences as a youth have had a significant impact on how I look at seasonal changes and this time of year. And just because I am not a summer person, and heat is not my thing, and frankly, I avoid being outside as much as I possibly can in the summertime, I'm not a soggy person. So spring <laughs> doesn't really appeal to me because it is June. I don't believe that. You love the rain. Well, I do love the rain, but <laughs> there's kind of a difference between the feel of spring and the feel of fall. Fall to me always seems a little drier than spring does. And mm. so I, I don't know, maybe once again, it draws back to that connection that I have from my youth in those fall camping trips that it was always a much more pleasant experience to camp in the drier fall than it was mm-hmm. any time that we would camp in the wetter spring. The way I see it is that in springtime, everything's new. Everything's just starting. You don't really know what's going to happen. But in fall, you already have seen it all. You know what's happening. Yes, the leaves are falling in the tree. We're going into the winter. But it's kind of like this feeling, to me, it's comforting to know that winter time is a time of rest and that's where we're going. It's not in the springtime where there's just too many unknowns. Winter time to me is a time of introspection among other favorite aspects of why I like that time of year. So fall to me is like, it's like the coming out of the gate. It's like we're, I'm now officially moving towards my favorite time of year. <laughs> and when winter is over, it's springtime and I'm like, I'm sad to see winter go. I think that might influence my feelings about spring. But one of the things that I do love about Mabin, which I acknowledge during the spring equinox, but it has a much deeper impact with me from both a metaspiritual and a metaphysical aspects, is the balance of energies, the day and night energies during this time of year. I agree. Really, one of the points that was very poignant for me when I was first becoming a pagan is the idea that a lot of the pagan rituals are based on the solar cycle and to realize that there's a reason why fall equinox is a celebration and you can measure it by the hours in the day you can see the sun in a certain position and and that's those are real tangible things whereas so much of it could be you could be skeptical you know are you really do you really have esp do you really have a connection with spirit or whatever all those things could be nebulous and it's all dependent on individual perception but fall equinox is not Everyone can see it. It's happening. It's real. And it's something that you can celebrate. I agree. And and I have, although batted back and forth my personal connections to different holidays and stuff, I've always marked the equinoxes as a particularly special time. I go back to the idea of balance because I, I tend to be a fairly introverted, introspective kind of person for the most part. I have found that the equinoxes lend a certain kind of energy to work with that allows me to like really take a good look at where I'm sort of standing at, at, in my own personal life at a variety of different ideological thoughts and stuff like that but because the energies are level I think it's easier anyways to sort of look out across that metaphysical plane that sort of oh I can't think of the right word for it, it but to look out across this thought form and have a clearer picture of where where I am out of balance because I'm not being overly influenced by the the energies. I mean, as winter rolls up, personally, I 
I feel much more powerful from a metaphysical standpoint because that's my time of year. I associate more with night, so as night becomes longer and becomes a more dominant energy in the day-night cycle, I feel much more powerful. And during the summertime, honestly, I feel weaker. I don't feel as capable. I don't feel as connected either spiritually or even in a magical sense to some parts of myself. But when that balance happens at the equinox, primarily during this one because I'm just better connected to this season than I am to the spring equinox, it's a really good time for me to take a good look at myself and just measure it, just see where I'm sort of out of focus at. And I think a lot of Maven rituals address that as a meditation type of an idea, that you can go in and kind of take stock of where you are, what what have you accomplished, what, you, what do you still need to accomplish. When I think of the Sabbath, Maven doesn't really stick out in my mind as my favorite Sabbath, but of course I, I love all the Sabbaths and, and I like to celebrate them i think because of that balance aspect it doesn't stand out like yule does or Samhain does because they're so strongly in one way or another whereas maven is balance it's kind of like sitting on the fence which is kind of what i do a lot of times i always try to look at both sides of an issue or both sides of what i'm deciding to do Right. I have, from an introspective meta-spiritual standpoint, always been very connected to the equinoxes as a way to examine myself. But as a, from a celebratory standpoint, I'm really kind of into the whole second harvest, feast of plenty, oh, yeah. cornucopia <laughs> ideology that happens to surround Maven. I personally, much as I love the American celebration of Thanksgiving in November, have always really thought of Maven as sort of the pagan Thanksgiving, sort of that feast of plenty and a time when you really honor and celebrate the work that you've been doing, theoretically. <laughs> All summer long. Although I can can say I did some of that work. I worked in the garden pretty hard this year. Harder than I have in a lot of years past and pulled a lot of stuff out of the garden this year. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with how much we actually were able to harvest. Although it's interesting that the things that we harvested weren't har- aren't being harvested right now they were like last month or we still have some sweet potatoes that need to be harvested they're not harvested yet well there so is so like, there is only t- <laughs> time up there are only so many things that we like that you can do with jalapenos <laughs> and peppers, which are going hog freaking wild yeah, we could in be our garden those, right now. Yeah. If we had trimmed back before it went to seed the lettuce, we would be having really good lettuce harvests right now. Yeah, okay. So this is a highly productive time for a lot of different things in the garden. Our particular garden just doesn't really do that. The squashes, the summer squashes and zucchinis are over. The cantaloupes are over. I accidentally killed the pumpkins, so we're not going to have any fall pumpkin in the the garden this year. Oopsie doopsie. Yeah, okay. The furry, long-tailed furry tree rat, uh, those thieving squirrels, got every freaking single one of the tomatoes this season so i took the tomato plants up because they weren't doing they were not really producing anything so i thought it was time for them to go but 
the stevia is still going strong and our lemon balm is taking over its little corner of the garden so so there well are... i what i was gonna say is i really that to me is what maven is about is it's the harvest celebration and i get a lot more satisfaction out of that type of an idea behind maven rather than any other kind of like myths or other things that might follow the wheel of the year to me it's the harvest right now and that's that's the thing that i celebrate and then even though even though we're not really harvesting all of our food or anything i'd still take that time out to recognize i do get my food from the earth and i honor that and i honor the people that grow it and and all that kind of stuff because this really is the time of year for for harvest where we are in thinking back to what the what our more ancient forebearers would have had been thinking about during this particular time of year, I often think of the balance between day and night at Mabin as sort of a standing on a precipice looking forward into what are going to be the bleaker, more spare time of the year. And during this time of plenty, when they have the luxury to really start giving the thought that they need to give to the practice conservation that is going to have to be put into place to carry their people, their families, their communities, their tribes through the coming winter months. Now when there is plenty is a good time to start thinking that. It's a good time to start making those plans. Waiting mm-hmm. until after Samhain to start laying up the plans for what you're going to have in January is kind of a grasshopper methodology for going about the world. Yeah, I was thinking about that, the story of the ant and the grasshopper but I was also thinking that yes, that is how our forebears would have dealt with the season but we don't have to deal with that <laughs> really. There there's not that much difference in the grocery store from spring to winter. We live in a society where we're able to transport food from South America uh. <laughs> and get you know, produce that's out of season and all that kind of stuff. I don't think there are pumpkins in springtime, though. No? Pumpkins, I think, is one thing that is a seasonal item that we don't get year-round. Well, I think that there just isn't a demand for pumpkins, that it's really encapsulated in the American mindset as something that is really only a fall type of thing. I'm sure if there was a big demand for pumpkins (laughs) in April, some... Monsanto or some giant evil food growing corporation would figure out a way to grow pumpkins in April. But I like that. I like you bringing that up because that whole pumpkin thing to me is a really good idea of sort of something that is still left over from our mindset of eating within the seasons. We don't really consider pumpkins in April or May, but start to think about it now, and I'll guarantee you next month, a pretty good chunk of America will be thinking about it, and if they're not thinking about it consciously, it's going to slip around in their subconscious because you're going to start seeing those things in the grocery stores and at roadside stands and at the farmer's market and so on and so on down the line. So I think that in the public consciousness, this is still maybe a little tiny anchor, little valid holdover that whether people are aware of it or not kind of reminds people of their connection to the seasonal cycle yay pumpkins yay pumpkins i love pumpkins <laughs> love carbon jack-o'-lanterns nothing i like better in october the 28th than to lobotomize <laughs> than to lobotomize a pumpkin not lobotomize it lobotomize <laughs> it <laughs> i'd like to go back to 
the idea of the second harvest festival and the idea of a time of plenty in what I am beginning to think of as my own personal, I don't know, cosmology of meta-spiritual events, I consider Mabin to be the starting point of the journey of the northern shaman because it's actually a little early in the year to start talking about Santa Claus and we do kind of refer to him as this character that we've labeled the northern shaman. I don't really and you, you, you yourself don't really practice this either. We don't really go in for the tale of the oak king and the holly king and although we have used it occasionally in our pursuit of the celebrations that we use around the holiday it's not really a mythology that I use. Right, just from being in a coven where we take turns, some of the other people in our coven do use that and they brought it into the cycle from time to time. So, I mean, I'm familiar with it and I understand it and you know, I honor that as a tradition, but again, it's not necessarily the one I would go to myself. Well, my own personal arrangement of the mythologies of characters within my own understanding of how I work through my ideas of pantheons, of deities, and the way that I look at those from an internal and external aspect of how I practice my spirituality, I think of this time of year with its generous bounty from the earth as the time when the northern shaman begins to take his first steps on the journey to where he is going to meet the person that is going to rule the next part of the year. But it's more than that. And I know that is in itself sort of a oblique carryover from the Holly King, Oak King thing, but I don't get into that whole one kills the other. And that's a discussion for another podcast, frankly. But the Northern Shaman, who is Santa Claus, carries through to that point in the bleakest part of the year, just before the days turn around again, a helping of the generosity of the mother during this time of year and carries it to Yule as a part of this idea that the earth is been generous to us, it is still generous to us, and it is going to be generous to us again. Bet you didn't know that about my connection between Santa Claus and the seasons, did you? No, I didn't. That's the first time you've uh, expressed that to me. It is an ideology that has actually been years in the forming and has only been really coming together for the last two years and I'm really kind of starting to finalize and cement in my ideas of how this character works through my own experience with the natural turning of the cycles of the season. Like I said, this ideological personage thought form carrying the idea of generosity from one of the most bountiful times of the year to one of the bleakest times of the year to remind us that generosity can always be there, can always be part of the underlying theme of what we experience as human beings no matter what time of year it is. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> it's taken a lot of thinking to get to that point. And I'm still working out some of the details. It's a process for me to work out my understanding and relationship with the divine in metaphors that really make sense to me. And that just happens to be one of the ones that's really coming into the fore at this time of year. Generosity is a big ideological issue 
for me at this time of year because we're surrounded by what abundance yeah abundance we're surrounded by what mother earth gives us the earth is our mother she spreads our table and it is highly visible at this time of year but to carry that idea forward is important to me and through that carrying of the idea of generosity from this abundant bountiful time of year to a much spare and bleaker time of year reminds me personally to keep that idea of an abundance of generosity through the entire year now i'm not a perfect person by any means so i'm not always good at being abundant and generous with everybody but it helps me to remember in times where i'm probably not being or going to be as generous a spirit as I could be to remember that there is an underlying thread there of generosity. I wanted to talk about one of my favorite maven rituals that we did with our family coven. As part of the ritual we of course called on the god maven and in the course of researching about it we discovered that the god of maven is a protector of animals and most kids love animals so I thought that would be a really good theme for the ritual that we did. I think we did this uh, several years ago. I think it was 2009 maven okay so what we did when the kids first got here i had all these coloring book pages of different kinds of animals and they were real pictures of animals not cartoon pictures of animals which i thought that was important i wanted it to be as realistic as possible for the kids and i had them pick out what their favorite animal was and or color the picture and think about why they like that animal and then in the course of the ritual part of what we did was make offerings to the animals and talk about why we like them so it was pretty simple it wasn't very deep but i really liked it because of its simplicity and also because i love animals too <laughs> we had animals in each of the quarter calls and i really felt like the kids enjoyed it i definitely think that making that connection between them coloring the pictures of the animals and then including that into the ritual really was a good way to engage the children in a way that really held their attention yeah and that's important to do when you're working with kids because they're very easily distracted <laughs> one of the things that we did in the children's ritual at the mountain mysteries maven that we just did was to from a point of reference that i had gotten where maven's totem animals were the the owl the blackbird the eagle the stag and the salmon right and we went around the circle where each child would call out an aspect of one of the totem animals that they really liked and i thought that that went very well and it gave the children a chance to engage but kind of kept them focused in a way because it wasn't just the whole animal kingdom it was these very specific animals and their particular aspects the owl could see at night the blackbird was the color of night so there you know, it was different different things for them to really focus on and i think one thing that's really cool and i guess maybe i didn't realize this until i had kids now that i'm doing rituals for kids to realize how powerful those simple rituals can be even for adults because i think it's a great exercise for adults to think about who are your totem animals and to spend time trying to connect with those energies and really understanding what aspects you like about animals what do you see in yourself what do you want to improve upon in yourself and and drawing on animal energies to do that i couldn't begin to count the number of times that i've gotten into thunder wolf's or featherwind's library and pulled out some child's book that i remember from my childhood and reread it to find myself amazingly enough sort of re-experiencing the very simple amazement or 
joy or pleasure that I got from those books as a kid, even as an adult. And I think just that doing that reading, because it's so simple to me now as an adult, and just decluttered my mind so that I could re-experience those feelings, as opposed to where I get some very powerful readings, reading some of the more complicated things to do. I, I tend to like some very layered and complicated fiction when I read that type of stuff, but to not have to deal with that. And I think that in a certain way, if you take a book like, say, Circle Round, with its wonderful examples of children's rituals that you can do in it, and you, as an adult, maybe practice one of those things one time, just to kind of simplify your ritual experience in a way that sort of declutters the complicated stuff and allows you to have a childlike experience of joy associated with your spiritual practice that is you know, maybe not as compl complex and as layered as your adult practice. I mean, you don't have to... It's you know, not ceremonial magic. It's, well, exactly. <laughs> it's not complex ceremonial magic. It's something that really hooks you into a very simple passion, like it does a child who has simple passions. And as an adult, to do that and to feel those things, I think is kind of a precious gift that we can take from our children or the children around us. Or even if you don't have children, if you just have that experience to remind yourself of your own childlike wonder at the world, I think is an Kind of important thing for adults to occasionally touch a hold of. Me too. And now, like an arrow straight to the heart of inspiration, we present Erwin's as of yet unnamed segment. <laughs> this week I'd like to read from a book called The Grandmother of Time by Susanna E. Budapest. It's a very goddess-centered book. And each month of the year, she has a little story about the goddess at that time of year. And I really like the one for the month of September. It talks about how the goddess is changing the colors and being very artistic. So here it goes. The goddess speaks, the muse. Have you felt the hand of the creator touch your soul as you gaze upon my colors in the autumn? Have you felt a poem forming on the tip of your tongue? Or has the urge to dance come over you? Did I challenge you to a creative act, such as giving a speech or an invention, maybe some lovely prose or a drama? Have you ever wanted to be on stage? If yes, it is I who rule your heart. I am the muse. My powers of inspiration are many-fold, not just nine. I appreciate it when a child of mine begins to enrich human culture with originality. I delight in that which is new and entertaining, because I am the greatest artist of all. I am the sculptress of the translucent crystal clusters and the designer of rocks. I painted the malachite green and the pearl silvery. It was my hand that dipped the ruby red and copied turquoise from the color of the sky. I carved the mountains into shapes of pyramids with snowy peaks. My winds made mounds and caves. My waters deepened valleys. Even the flight of birds and the lumbering walk of elephants has been choreographed by me. It was a challenge to make tall giraffes graceful, but I have solved that artistic problem too. I have hidden art in everything. In the act of creating art, you worship me. I will respond to you if you ask for my assistance. 
I'll come in the middle of the night if you are finishing a play on deadline. I'm in the studio if you are sculpting a statue. All art proceeds from me. I am the true occupation of your species. You are all supposed to be creative and fill your hearts with beauty. What nonsense to waste consciousness on war. If there were enough creativity in the world, you would live as artists, and the jobs you hate today would be replaced by better ones. I look at your wars and often cry. It's not good to make your muse cry. Don't forget I feed your inner selves after your bodies have been nourished. I am the part of you that goes on to survive and take other forms. I am your invisible humanity, the divine spark you have been given to use, the light with which you shine. I am the truth as you perceive it. I am the teacher of higher goals. Why don't you visit me more often? What are you saving yourself for? Security is an illusion, for nobody is ever secure in the world. Death may come any time. Whether it rescues you from your misery or stops you in ecstasy, there is nothing to lose. Free your weary hands and be creative. Look at nature all around you and receive inspiration from me. Now, in the season when I paint the leaves, those brilliant autumn yellows and crimsons, don't you long to participate in this ecstasy of beauty? Very inspiring. <laughs> And now it's time for What Does Fox Do? Arrowwind likes to occasionally goof on me by calling me the pagan Mr. T. <laughs> Possibly there are pictures out there somewhere of me with a tremendous amount of necklaces, amulets, charms, and other interesting accoutrements about my neck. I am a fan of the making of amulets and charms as part of my practice. I have amulets and charms that do and work in several different kinds of ways. And I utilize a variety of methodologies for instilling the energies that I want into these things. Everything from full-blown ceremonial thelemic energy gathering, focusing rituals, to simple stuff like touching them to a natural object. Charms and amulets that I use work in a couple of different ways. I have those devices that take a charge and hold it and are in themselves a singular metaphysical focus. Then I have other items that take a charge and slowly expend that energy over a certain period of time and must be recharged. And then I have objects that I put a charge on where if I need that energy, I can discharge it immediately. And my favorite way to, to do this with is an amulet that or a charm that hangs about the neck. I, for some reason, have this connection to dilly bobs hanging around my neck. Boy, that just sounded really weird. One of the simplest charms that I have is sometimes I make these things, sometimes they're given to me, sometimes they're bought, but one of the one of the simplest ones that I have a number of festivals ago and gosh, this must have been uh, 12, 13 years ago as a badge of proof that you had paid for your registration and belonged in the festival itself. Whereas nowadays you get these little bands that go around your wrist that just itch and drive me up the wall 
or sometimes you'll get like the backstage pass style laminated little card that has your name on it. This wonderfully artistic individual that, that we know and used to hang around with every once in a while. I haven't seen her, uh, well, bumped into her this summer and it was very nice, but haven't seen her much since then. Crafted these beautiful little clay amulets with the face of the goddess on them. We hung them from strings, and by hanging that around your neck, it was identified that you belonged there at this particular festival. This thing has come to take on a lot of meaning for me, not only as a traditional remembrance of a very wonderful time, which in itself possesses its own type of very intense energy, but because it was this earthy goddess face to it, and I wanted it to have this earth goddess energy that was sort of imbue me with a feeling of connection to a mother goddess kind of figure, I did a very brief prayer and for a few moments wedged it into the bark on this tree. And as part of this little ritual that I had done, I hugged the tree and pressed my forehead to it while thinking beautiful thoughts and everything and trying to help utilize the energy of the tree to channel itself in a flowing way through the amulet. Very simple. It sounds more complicated than it was and it took approximately 15 seconds when I did this. This amulet still is one of the most powerful amulets that I have in my collection and I can always hold on to it and grasp it and feel that mother goddess connection from that energy. Now I have another talisman charm amulet that is a was a vendor bought pentacle that I broke out the book on that I did the whole nine yards of charging it up. It is currently without a charge, but charging it up with energy meant to, oh, let's say divert possibly well-earned negative attention <laughs> at any given moment. And I have charged it several times with the same intention, with the idea that recharging it with the same intention ensures that it would not dilute its purpose by having multiple intentions and energies passing through it. But when I recharge it, I recharge it with the idea that if I find myself in a little bit of a negative fix, I can utilize and discharge the energy in this as a form of spell work to get me out of it. And it has worked grandly on a couple of occasions. And so there are tons of books and different ideas out there for the utilization of amulets and charms and what they mean and what they do. But that is just a brief glimpse into what Fox does. And now it's time for podcast of the week. What have you got for us, Fox? We have got to start getting you to listen to a few more podcasts, Erwin, because you need to do a couple podcasts of the week yourself. This week, my podcast of the week is going to be the Spiral Dance with Hawthorne. Spiral Dance with Hawthorne is one of those fantastic pagan radio programs that is archived into a podcast form that can be picked up on iTunes and a variety of other podcatching type of technological venues. Its thrust is a seasonal orientation built around the metaphysical and sometimes metaphysical mechanics and ideologies of any particular given season and a wonderful collection of music that is usually focused so well into that seasonal idea. 
He does shows every week, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And sometimes, because it is so hard for me to keep up with podcasts, I lose track. In my most recent episode that I've listened to, it was the Labor Day episode, which had some absolutely outstanding 1970s, 1980s, working class punk music in it that is something that is part of my distant background, but I still highly respect. And another thing that he does is he intersperses between blocks of music segments that are incredibly educational about the spiritual and magical values of whatever particular holiday or season is the focus of that episode. The music is fantastic. The information is, I mean, it's it's without reproach. I have never once listened to Hawthorne during the spiral dance and thought, oh, bullshit. Or, I don't agree with that at all. That's nonsense. Never once thought that. His information is so good that I save all of his episodes on my iPod as a reference tool to go back and look at information about the celebration of different seasons. And so, if you get a chance, download yourself Spiral Dance with Hawthorne. I can virtually guarantee you that you will love this and use it. And if you have ideas about Maven, Amulets, Muses, or what podcasts you like, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at PaganParentsOTE at gmail.com. Also at PaganParentsOTE at AOL.com. Oh yeah, that's still hanging around there too. And speaking of things that are still hanging around there, the MySpace page is back there somewhere in (laughs) its vague, nebulous obscurity sitting right beside the list that has Podcast Pickle on it somewhere because we're there too. But we've gotten more interactive through Facebook. Loving the Facebook page. Once again, want to thank all the beautiful people that have liked us on Facebook. If you like us on Facebook... Pass us around to some of your pagan friends. Perhaps they will like us too. And I like to drop little comments here and there about different things that might be going on or something might pass through my mind and I'll drop it onto the Facebook page or I'll give little notes and warnings about what's coming (laughs) up in the next episode and such on Facebook. And uh, I'm really happy to see that there is a small interested community there. And you can also review us on iTunes. We really appreciate anyone that sends us a review that way. Yes, indeed. If you download us from iTunes, we would love a review. Make it a good one, and it will make us very, very happy, and we'll appreciate you very, very much. (laughs) You can also get in touch with us through Podbean, our hoster, where you can comment to and rate the episodes, and I love seeing that as well. I love you, Fox. I love you too, Arrowind. Do you have Celtic roots? Are your ancestors from Ireland or Scotland or Wales? From Cornwall, Brittany, the Isle of Man or Gaul? Do you love stories and tales? Ancient myths, legends and folklore of the Celtic peoples? Do you want to hear more about King Arthur, Gwydion, Taliesin, Cuchulain, wild magic and the realms of the other world? Do you want to hear about the old gods, druids and fairies in a way that they're not just dusty, dry words on a page? Then you need the Celtic Myth Podshow, available from CelticMythPodshow.com. In the days when the world was young, the days when the air was clean and the dew was fresh upon the grass, 
Listen well, for I have tidings for you. Warriors are coming from across the sea. Take this message back with you. Tell the Fearbold they must give my people either battle or live in peace in half of Erin. On my word, I should prefer to give you half of Erin than to face your weapons. The Celtic myth Pochil bring you the bravery of heroes and heroines, the magnificent pantheon of gods and goddesses, and the magic and wonder of druids, fairies, and folklore. Our ancestors would listen to these stories as told to them by their bards. They wouldn't read them in books. This podcast brings the magic of sound back into our legends. A new episode comes out twice a month and builds into a complete collection of tales from Celtic mythology. So just sit down, get comfortable, and join us every other week. Listen to news, chat, and a story from Celtic mythology with the Celtic Myth Podshow from CelticMythPodshow.com. That's CelticMythPodshow.com. <laughs>